Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. Uh, it is Thursday the 13th of May. We are on John Gilbert Way here in Manchester M16. Uh, to our left is a row of police riot vans. To, the, to our right uh, is Old Trafford, the old cantilever, what is now the North Stand, or indeed the Sir Alex Ferguson Stand. Uh, colourful, lively, peaceful, energetic. Will it stay that way? Uh, we'll find out shortly. More to come here from Old Trafford. Well, standing to my left is a face familiar to many Manchester United fans, Sky Sports News, James Cooper. James, thank you for talking to UWS. Um, what visually has been your impression of what United fans have put on this evening? Uh, more or less equivalent to 12 days ago or something different in the air tonight? Yeah, I think very different, much like doing a piece for you, not Andy Mitten, which is normally after a game where both of us have been staggeringly bored by something happening in Europe. But um, no, to be serious, I, I think the mood is very different. I think um, there are perhaps fewer people here, but I think there's maybe 2,000 people here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's passion, I think there's determination to, to make a point, but I think there's also probably an element now of frustration that what many fans wanted to do, which was see the game postponed, seemingly hasn't happened. You know. Well, as you and I speak, there's, there's half an hour until what would be the intended kickoff time, if indeed that is to uh, transpire. Nonetheless, it's been a statement tonight. The rumour that went around about the Liverpool FC team bus potentially being hemmed in, uh, the numbers and the volume we've seen here tonight, yet again... United aren't champions, but they are the biggest story in town. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And that's always the case, whether it's good or where it's bad. And you know, you know, the, the highs are soaringly high, the, 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 the lows are incredibly low. And this is a little bit like that, depending on perspective, I think. You know, I, I think there's no doubting that the, the fans here are unhappy. What I'd also say, and might, I might get criticised for it, I don't think the fan base has been as fractured as it is on, on this whole idea. I think what you've got is a lot of people who want to take direct action. I think you've got people who want to just see if the Glazers are true to their word and I think you've got a whole load of people actually just want Manchester United to play football and they want to watch football so I think from that point of view you know there isn't a one consensus you know I think that's what we're also seeing here there's some people coming to watch a demonstration there's some people coming to be very part of that demonstration well that leads me neatly into my final question I'm merely a supporter you're a professional paid observer Uh, are you shocked and probably taken aback by what the owners and indeed the organisation at Manchester United have achieved tonight putting up this ring of steel and bringing in vast reinforcements at huge cost yeah it's a difficult one because again I don't want to be taken out of context I don't want anyone pointing the finger and say well you're being pro club or you're being anti-fan because I'm not being either of those hopefully I'm being fair you know I I think it's sad I don't like seeing Old Trafford like this I'm not a Manchester United fan but I'm someone who's followed the club you know for a couple of decades and I, and I love Old Trafford passionately and I like Manchester United an awful lot and I think you've got a fantastic football club but I will say that if you have had your house burgled you don't leave your front door wide open you do something about it so I think there's a common sense to this I, I think the other argument perhaps is do you set a challenge or is it common sense precaution and, and that's probably again down to perspective and interpretation if that's fair. James Cooper thank you very much indeed for talking to UWS. Carly, what are we saying? We've got something in the region of, as you and I are speaking now, another 90 minutes until what should be 90 minutes. How are we feeling? What do you think so far? Um, I think it's been very different to last time, very different atmosphere. Um, Obviously, there's different groups going around doing different bits and pieces. Um, I think we should just be really proud of what we achieved last time as a group of fans and that we're still maintaining the pressure on. The fact that the club have had to come out and put this much effort into a home fixture, no one's ever seen anything like this before uh, for any game with fans in or without fans in. I've Even the Roma game in 2007, I think that was the last biggest sort of police turnout we've seen and it, it's nothing like this. So the fact that the Glazers are running scared, the fact that they've had to put... Oops, the fact that they've had to put 
finally put their hand in their pocket and put their own security in is uh, is really shows what we can achieve. You've um, been going for years. Together. How does that make you feel that uh, your own home stadium is being turned into a fortress to keep you, metaphorically, and people of your ilk, not in, away? They've been keeping me away for 10 years. I was, I, they banned me from going to Old Trafford in 2011. Terrible misunderstanding. Uh, administrative uh, difficulty, shall we, shall we say. Um, but yeah, this is what we've come to expect from the Glazers. It's if you sit down, shut up, pay your way, you'll be allowed in. If you've got any sense of spirit, passion, rowdiness, unless we're using you for a photo opportunity to put on the front of a season ticket or on a Sky TV advert and to sell more tickets, then you can fuck off wouldn't expect anything different from him really i know you were distressed that the famous ice cream van hasn't made an appearance yet this evening shocking that was to be honest that's the only reason i've come out on a thursday night what would be your confectionery or ice cream of choice given the um standard offering um i'd i i like going uh, it depends um i tend to be quite a traditionalist i really like a nice big 99 but um i do like the cheekiness just the cheekiness of a, uh, a flake um, for that, you know, the retro feel and uh, just that little sense of indulgence. And the UWS pod connoisseur's choice is obviously a maxi bond for a euro away. Um, <laughs> also connoisseur's choice, or maybe not, uh, the letter to United fans from the Glazer family right on deadline day. Some people suggesting that it's even possible the Glazers didn't write it themselves. You're joking. Really? I had visions of Joel sat there on his typewriter in, uh, you know, his nice office full of leather-bound books. Uh, typing it out on a piece of paper and then putting it on a carrier pigeon to, to Old Trafford. Uh, is, yeah, again, it's the, the sort of you know platitudes that you'd expect. Absolutely nothing, absolutely meaningless. Won't be backed up with any action. Completely done to try and throw us off the scent and to try and sort of quell the dissent. But people saw right through it. People, and not just you know the time server reds that are used to this stuff. The e-reds, the internet reds, everybody, the, the media, everyone knows that it's just a load of absolute distraction and uh, the turnout today shows that people aren't buying it well wherever manchester united are grafters will surely follow and uh, two faces you'll definitely see when you come down to old trafford on a match day are here at the protest this evening the second protest with massive sacks full of merchandise uh, you've been coming here how long to old trafford did you oh, just tell me 55 years watching united 55 years watching united but 55 years doing swag as well i imagine <laughs> No, 50, I was a... <laughs> well, wherever there's commerce, there's an opportunist. And there are a few finer businessmen than this individual. Um, talk to me about what you expect this evening, because this isn't your average match day crowd. Uh, this is a, probably a, what I would describe anyway as a peaceful, energetic, but clued up crowd. How much gear are you going to do tonight? I don't, I haven't got a clue, you know. It's, they're not really the, the fans that we sell to. Well... Here's the thing, these are true fans, these are hardcore yeah, fans, these are loyal yeah. fans, these are matchgoers, but these are people who are angry yeah. and who feel if something have got to change. But also, these are faces that you see at the game, but you think there's enough of a niche there tonight that there might be a yeah, sale or two in there. for the green and gold, for the green and gold, because for what it symbolises. Did it ever make you smile that you see lads coming, maybe the more infrequent matchgoers, shall we say politely, uh, who will be wearing an official merchandise Manchester United top, and then symbolising the protest movement, buying the green and gold off you. Well, I don't. Look, football's changed from when I first came down here. The fans have changed. We've always had the. We've always. United fans have come from all over the world. They always have. You know what I mean? But football has changed. These internet, Twitter, Facebook, all that. These kids, 
safety. What I've followed of football has taught me. I know you profit from the scarves, but do you agree with the principle as well? Are you upset with the Glazers? Would you like to see a change at the club? Yeah, I, look, I love, I love United. I've been I, since my dad brought me here. I, will, I love United, but the Glazers own this club. The gla we will not get rid of the Glazers. The only way you'll get rid of the Glazers is if somebody comes in with enough money to buy them. But also, I'm sorry, sad to say, we need owners like the Bitters on the other side of the city. Well, that, you've preempted my final question. I know you're busy and you've got to work. There's money to be made. However, um, if the Glazers are staying, what is the bit of change that could be affected by this evening that you'd like to see? Where are the sort of the improvements that could be made that might actually come out of this or is this all in vain all these fans gathering at Old Trafford for a second time in 12 days well, hopefully they might you know listen and see hang on a minute because when did it when was the last one 206 it never never really took off did it well, to 2000, 2004, you'll remember a very boisterous forecourt before yeah. the Arsenal game. May 2005, the Greening Old protests you'll have done well from in 2010. Yeah. But it's something different this time. Yeah, the, look, they were angry, the fans, the, the young fans, they were angry, weren't they? There was, there was anger there, and I don't think the Glazers have seen anger like that. So maybe, you know, give Ollie, a, instead of taking the money out of the club, give Ollie some of that money to buy players and get us back at the top where we belong Fresham coming up with the absolute blockbuster knockout artwork of Mark Hughes scoring in Rotterdam against Barcelona in 1991 one, of one or two of you might be able to relate to that is Bandit uh, who's here looking dressed up for the occasion protest number two what do you expect this evening? what do you hope there's a match on? what do we anticipate? there's a match on or is there? I don't know Um I'd love it to be cancelled again. Uh, All right, Kevin Keegan. But, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think this time the security's a lot tighter. I can't see them not getting this game on, to be honest. Well, as you and I are talking now, and obviously people will be listening to this in a day or two's time, but to paint the picture, two and a half hours till kickoff. Uh, Liverpool's team coach still, it would appear, struggling to leave the Hyatt just off Booth Street in town. Will they be able to get here? Have they got the numbers? Have the police got it covered? And what about Fort Knox, a.k.a. Old Trafford, where the Glazers appear to have spent fortunes to prevent United fans from accessing their own stadium? Peculiar. Yeah, it's mad. I mean, you saw the pictures, didn't you? Um, it's a sad day when you see all that having to go up. Um, and you wonder if that's... You know, we're going to see little bits of that starting to appear, you know, in the coming seasons or whatever, you know, start seeing gates and walls being put up around the around, you know, tight security methods, not for the not for the previous reasons why we've had him, but for, for, for these protest reasons. But, uh, yeah, that's the hope, isn't it, that, that, that they stop, uh, stop Liverpool in town, because that's been now revealed as to where they are. Uh, Bandit, it's well known that you are a uh, connoisseur of fine literature, and in your role as literary critic, uh, what did you make of the... Um, charming laser uh, glazer letter to united fans that open document which um got a few people's backs up it could could be said yeah uh to be honest anything over a paragraph i tend to just not bother reading so uh, uh i got the gist of it from the fans that they, they felt it was a bit of an apology that fell on uh, deaf ears all too little too late 
uh, an attempt just to appease us because they don't want repeats of um, what was it last Saturday um, certainly not tonight they just want to get the season out of the way don't they so they can get a few few quick signings in appease everybody hopefully everything will die down over the summer but you know the fans have got to keep this going now this is our this is our it almost feels like a last shot attempt uh, to, to, to keep this up um, I just hope we can do it I hope nothing bad happens tonight I hope nobody gets uh, peaceful and energetic yeah, of course yeah no, I don't you know you, 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 listen to just to, just to set the scene for those who, who, who won't be attending today this is a lot different atmosphere than it was when we first came uh, was it last Saturday uh, a lot more high-vis uh, on show police cordons uh, a lot further up on the bridge you know where you know fans were quite happily sort of drinking al fresco uh, last time I don't think anyone I think anyone with a can is probably gonna have it taken off and quite quickly close to the ground um, even oh, I was just trying to go and have a piss down one of the ginnels but there's just, just there's PCSOs everywhere you know controlling every little every little inch of it so that's good Tesco that's why I'm a bit out of breath <laughs> Every little count against the Glazer family. Bandit, nice one. Chris, you didn't make protest number one uh, for reasons we won't go into. You are at protest number two. What energised you to say, OK, I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. I need to make my feelings known and go and show my support uh, this Thursday night before the possible Liverpool game? You just can't give up. And, and I think the club believes that, or even the powers of whoever they are, believe that after one big protest that we might give up after one goal. So you've just got to keep it going. And to me, to sit in the background and not, not even make an attempt, you'd be a bit of a fraud. So hence the reason I made the trip across today. Um, in terms of your credentials, I vividly remember seeing you um, not quite as... Um slick and demure as you are nowadays at your always in the 90s where you would inevitably turn up uh, well refreshed it's fair to say your united pedigree is without dispute you've been going a day or two <laughs> to how to respond to that <laughs> i always thought i looked okay and i was fine at the time but but yes it's um it's been a long haul over the years but yeah, always fun uh talk to me about your response when you read the uh response letter from the Glazers back to United fans. Uh, what do you make of that? Because there were a few things that probably uh, raised temperatures in there. Well, firstly, it was wrote by someone in the legal department of yep. a non-existent entity that we'll never know. And it meant nothing to us. Actions will always speak louder than words. Uh, and you just have to wonder why, after 16 years of absolutely no contact, they felt that a letter of that description would, would make any difference whatsoever. In my opinion, that was one of the most naive things I saw. It was more naive perhaps than what, what, what you saw with regards to the, the, the European Super League idea, which we thought was coming for years anyway. But to send a response like that, it, it was everyone just going to sit down and say, OK, thank you, things will now change. Well, well no, it was just, it was just silly. Uh, as you and I talk, still a couple of hours till the intended kickoff time. Uh, what's your desired preferable end result this evening? What happens in, in your mind's eye? Well, hopefully it's known and it's seen all over the world, whether it's called off, whether it's delayed. I'm not too fussed on either of those outcomes as long as everyone sits up and realises that we're still here, we're still shouting and we want a different outcome of what, what the future holds. Top man. Small businesses have always shown an incredible ability to adapt, innovate and survive, even more so in the last year. Now, another way you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help you grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that for free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK. Getting started is easy and their new features can help you find qualified candidates quickly. 
post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of qualified candidates. Manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined into one simple screen. And now you can do all of this from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com forward slash united. Again, that's linkedin.com forward slash united to post a job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Amazing who you meet outside a protest. Pete Molyneux, time serve red author, published author, very good book too. Thank you very much. Pete, thank you for talking to United We Stand. Uh, yes, your, sure. your impressions uh, yeah. and what you've seen this evening, what have you made of it so far? Uh, I like what I've seen so far, the numbers that have turned up and the determination to try and do something to get publicity um, against the Glazers. Hopefully that the, the uh, sponsors will see this and realise that the Glazers brand is toxic and uh, will start uh, pulling some of the money out or think twice about putting it in. But no, it's been good. We were expecting, obviously, a good strong police presence and stewards they were all here the other night I came down for the Leicester game mm. and it, it, I think there was only about half a dozen of us but um, so far it's been peaceful I think that I think that is important because then we lose the model high ground um, so I've been impressed so far what else needs to happen you you famously all those years ago held up a flagging case and demanding the removal of Sir Alex Ferguson uh, that one fortunately had a happy ending uh, what needs to be done for the removal of the Glazer family what do you want to see what are, what are the the actions and the impacts that you want to see carried out in order to send them on their merry way and lead us into rosier times without them at the helm. Well, first of all, thanks for reminding everybody that I've <laughs> had a great idea in 89. You, you, you did write a book about it. I did write a book, yes, and I'm still dining out on it. Uh, and it shows that protests don't always work, and thank God that one didn't. I think the only way to get the glazers out is, is to go get the spon to get the sponsors. I think that's the only way. I, I don't think they'll they can just sit tight, they own it, they've got the legal right. Um nobody can get to them physically and no we really want that to happen. So if if there's these protests, I think in the medium term, within this calendar year, keep these protests up. This is getting great publicity for the fact that people see now that it's not just a, load, a few hoodlums or hotheads. It's people that really care, fans that have followed this club for, for decades and their families before them have followed United for decades. They are upset about the way, the contempt they held it for by the Glazers. And uh, so keep getting them bad publicity and hopefully they'll lose money through the sponsorship. Well, it has to be said, Avram Glazer did once or twice frequent Epstein Island, as we know. Now the flag has immortalised that fact. Uh, final question, uh, you're a considered mind. Uh, you're a published author, as we've mentioned once or twice. Uh, what was your impression when you read that somewhat disingenuous email to all Manchester United fans from the Glazer family? Your impressions? Oh, just window dressing. But PR, desperate PR. What summed it up was a few days... Uh, either just before that or just after, was when that reporter tracked uh, one of the Glazers down in Florida and the contempt he he had, the contempt he had, the one with a little... Uh, don't want to be personal about him because he, 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 he can wear his hair how he wants to be, but his contempt for the club, for Manchester, for the fans, uh, he said nothing, but it was deafening what he was saying. It was just contempt. We stand podcast. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, John Gilbert Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glazers out, Woodward out, a yeah. massive flag, TV cameras on you, yeah. uh, the eyes of the world focused upon Manchester United yeah. fans. Yeah. 
so far so good? Yeah, yeah, brilliant so far. We just want to send a message to the Glazers. Get the hell out of our club. We don't want you. You've underinvested for years. All they care about is making money for themselves and taking money out of the club. They don't care what happens to us, us fans. So, yeah, we just want them out. PG, quick word for the UWS podcast. You were here 12 days ago. Uh, what has stimulated you sufficiently to draw you back the however many miles it is from where I know you happen to reside, about six or seven, uh, felt strongly enough to come back for round two tonight? Uh, yeah, I looked in the mirror and uh, I saw my 2005 self. He wouldn't forgive me if I, uh, if I didn't make the effort again. The truth is, you actually, and this is the truth, and only you and I know this, and nobody who's listening to this can prove or disprove it, you literally don't look any different. Do you feel any different about the Glazer family and their occupation of Old Trafford? Not, not particularly, no. But I, I, uh, I fully admit, I've still been going to the games, as uh, probably many people here present have been. But it's, it's uh, uh, so I can't sort of hold my head up high and say I've got not one penny, but I still feel uh, equally strongly, equally strongly as I did then that they are the wrong people. Uh, in charge of any football club, let alone this one. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you and I go to the match together, so I can't try and take some sort of moral high ground. What I can say is that, would you agree with me that there's been a gradual marginalisation, decline, erosion of the match-going culture under the Glazer family in a decaying stadium uh, with a, a declining playing squad uh, due to the influence of the Glazer family? Well, I think uh, of the match-going culture, I think, of your first question, I think people have been saying, I, f I feel it has now, but people who stopped going in, uh, like, 1991 have been saying it was going down even then. So, yep. uh, comparatively from when they took over in 2005 to, to now, I mean, I've got older, we've all got older. I, I, I have I, I don't know if uh, the match-going culture... I mean, I've seen a lot of people my mates who used to go fall by the don't, wayside yeah don't go anymore I'm just uh, marvelling at the uh, kaleidoscope of uh, green green and gold and red flares over yeah, there yeah yeah smoke um, bombs and uh, 8 o'clock exactly here in Old Trafford and the United We Stand podcast finds us melting away from the stadium. Plenty of reds, loads of familiar faces here this evening. Another impactful night of protesting. Peaceful, lively, energetic, absolutely hordes of riot police. Uh, the ludicrous construction of that stupid red wall uh, outside the old superstore to deny supporters the opportunity to go anywhere near the South Stand Tunnel. Uh, that's proved to be completely meaning meaningless, unless, of course, uh, it's a way to irritate the Glazers into believing that we mean business and these protests will go on and on and on until some action is taken. Uh, in the meantime, we've seen an afternoon where Liverpool FC's team coach, well, that made the headlines because there was a suggestion that was going to be hemmed in outside the Hyatt and unable to access Old Trafford. Uh, ultimately, it seems to have been proven that that was not the case and they did successfully make their way in. Uh, meanwhile, United's own players, personnel, staff, etc., uh, seemingly making their way into the stadium and the complex uh, from one o'clock in the afternoon in personal cars. So if the idea to gain attention and impact was disruption, oh boy, has it worked. So from Old Trafford here on this Thursday night, 15 minutes till kickoff, uh, UWS, well, over and out, and we're going for a pint. And it seems the passing motorists would agree. So that's from Old Trafford and what followed was Manchester United 2, Liverpool 4. So a bad result, another bad result, a third defeat in a week. Uh, Roma 
was considered to be the worst performance of the season by by the coaches. Uh, the Leicester game was more understandable because there'd been 10 changes. The Villa win was key and United are going to be in the Champions League next year. Uh, just feels pretty good when United lose matches, I'll be honest. And I was all for comparing with last season and seeing that United have got more points than at the same stage last season. I think it'd be a great shame if United didn't finish second because that would count as progress. But as we saw against Liverpool, the, there are issues with the central defence. Um, Harry Maguire's absence was noted uh, in front of them. But Fred had probably one of his top three worst games for United and Liverpool scored four. Old Trafford, but it was a weird match. It, both halves were split into both halves. United actually started really well and had another spell towards the end before Liverpool got the fourth. And it was a blow because I know for a fact the players were, were up for, for Liverpool. Uh, they did feel disrupted by having to get to Old Trafford earlier. I think athletes are creatures of habit. And um, someone on the inside said to me, The fans don't understand this aspect to the players. And I said, Well, players don't always understand the fans either and so there's a bit of a mismatch there and you can see the strength of feeling with regards to to the protest it's not just been a, a one-off now um, action I think as some people have spoken to here will speak a lot louder than the letter which was received from Joel Glazer in a rare form of, of communication and I think a lot of fans want to see something tangible a few people have said to me, United fans are never happy with the owners. They've never been happy. They didn't like Martin Edwards. They didn't like David Gill. They didn't like Peter Kenyon. They didn't like Louis Edwards. Yeah, I get all that. But I think everything is just under this big cloud at the moment. And when you see that £1.7 billion has gone out of the club to pay the interest and service loans of that highly leveraged buyout, it, it just doesn't wash. It just doesn't wash at all. And it's come back with a vengeance, with... Since that announcement about the Super League, which is another reason which showed how, how out of touch the Glazer family were and actually feel sorry for a lot of the people who work at the club. They've been working really hard. They do the jobs really well. There's a lot of talent works at Manchester United. United's a big employer in, in Manchester. And I used to hear terms like love the team, hate the club and think, well, that's bollocks because I know loads of good people who work at that club who are proper United fans and... Some of them do the job very, very well. Could easily earn money if they left the club that which they love working at. But this is all on on Glazer, Joel Glazer. He he made an absolute bollock of that Super League announcement, and this has all followed um, since since then. So there's a little break now for the well the FA Cup final, which United are not in, which is a shame. And then there's Fulham at home, where fans will be allowed back, which is a good thing that fans are coming back. And then the final league game of the season away at Wolves. It would be good if United can finish the season away, unbeaten. And then straight on to Gdansk for the Europa League final. I've said all along it's a competition well worth winning. Just as the Cup Winners' Cup was worth winning 30 years ago. I'll come on to that in a second. Uh, United fans will get tickets for Gdansk, but I see a lot of the... The diehards just giving up on the idea of going there. It's just too complicated to get to. There's too many hoops to jump through. More so getting back into the UK than actually getting to Poland. Um, you don't need a test on arrival in Gdansk on the day of the game if you've got a match ticket, for example. So 
There are certain exemptions. Gdansk looks absolutely beautiful. I'll be going there and I'll be allowed in as a, as a journalist. I've been to all these European games this season in a working capacity. I tried to book a Polish rail ticket. It was absolutely infuriating. It wasn't about it being in Polish because there was an English version. Every time I did it, the website just said, no, no, you had another browser open then, didn't you? And I felt like saying, I'm trying to give you money. Just take my money. I just want to buy a rail ticket. Ah, but in 2007, you looked on a rival rail company, didn't you? I'm sorry, we're going to have to end it now. It took me two hours. I thought, is this just me being stupid? Especially when a friend of mine who lives in Germany and he's also going to Gdansk and he started looking at the tickets and he said, well, it looks, looks straightforward to me. And then like two hours later, no, 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 no. He just was having similar problems to what I have. Anyway, all booked. Looking forward to that. We'll do a podcast from Gdansk and speak to some interesting people. That's what I always try and do is uh, we speak to tr- interesting people. We get to the games. Obviously, the, the podcast has been massively disrupted uh, with with no fans at matches, but we've done our best to keep it going. And we've done our best to keep United We Stand going. I'm pleased to say the orders have been really good for our new issue. It's issue 315, and it's, it's centred around the 30th anniversary of the 1991 Cup Winners' Cup win in Rotterdam. And I put months into tracking down people who were involved, people who don't normally speak to the media, and asked them to talk, uh, former employees, um, players, the match referee, we found him in, in Sweden, and we had the Dutch angle, um, Scally Manchester lads, we had all sorts in there, and it's over 12,000 words, there's some really good pictures in there, and I've really enjoyed the follow-ups that, that uh, has happened since the mag came out, with people saying to me, that's me in the picture, that's my mates. And I'm thinking, wow, I've wondered who that was for, for 30 years. Um, we don't have actually have a lot of copies left. We've got the last few, which we may sell at the Fulham game. You can download the digital edition. That's the cheapest way of getting the mag, especially if you're outside the UK. And you can read it on on a, a tablet or a computer or even, even your phone. And... The mag, uh, a lot of people prefer the printed edition. That's absolutely fine. That's best for us if you can buy the printed edition. But we understand, you know, you have to wait a couple of weeks to get a copy outside the UK in these these COVID times. Anyway, there's a couple of people now who, who I did speak to as part of it. I'm not going to put the Spanish ones on. <laughs> Imagine that, putting the Barca players on speaking in Spanish. But I did, I did track down a few of them and they were good. Because it's always good to get an alternate version to the truth, the accepted truth. And, you know, Barca fans saying to me, um, you know, stuff which would be challenged by United fans. So I found that interesting. Anyway, here's Carl Evans. Carl, um, Carl was working as a junior accounts manager at the time. And he was a bright lad. He rose to be a director at Manchester United and he's now the chief executive of Oldham Athletic. But in 1991, he was asked to steward a coach and it became quite eventful. And then after that, Martin Edwards, who was the chairman at the time, you may need to turn it up a little bit because um, the, the previous recordings were done outside the Old Trafford. But anyway, just five or ten minutes of that, and we'll be back um, in a week or two with the next United We Stand podcast. Thanks for joining us. Because I've been at the club uh, well, I've been there three years at that stage. And mm. even though 
I'd been to FA Cup finals prior to being a member of staff and obviously the FA Cup final in 90. This was something totally new for me because it was a European final. You know, I'd never been anywhere near 68 or anything like that. So for me, it was the excitement of going um, and obviously I wanted to be in the club and be in my club. And it was sort of like on the back end of some other unbelievable like experiences because bizarrely in the way to the final, I went to Pesh, which was like, you know, Hungary, never been to Hungary. This is, this is strange. It's a university, university town. I went to Montpellier and I went to um, Leisure Warsaw. Mm. And the only one I didn't go to was Wrexham. Bizarrely, it was on the door, doorstep. And it was just like, what is this? European mm. football following the, the club abroad. And it was, I remember us going off to one of those at some ridiculous hour in the morning. Staff could go and Barry saw the all out, etc. So when we got to the final, this is like, you know, what on earth is going on? And was, like you said, there was all sorts of people at the club who could go, who couldn't go. Is there going to be an official trip? Can the staff go? And I remember Ken Merritt saying, right, you know, every member of staff, especially at a certain level, even though I was relatively junior at the time, was just the accounts manager, you know, we want you to sort of like steward a coach. So I'm thinking, well, what are fans? And it wasn't, it was, it was all the staff members. And for me, it was like, you know, in a very early start and, and all this and collecting names and numbers. And, and I was put on the, um, expected to have, you know, lots of staff on you. I, I was put on the coach to, to steward the young players, like the apprentice players and any players of the first team squad that weren't playing. Right. And um, uh, so, so that was unusual, to say the least. And they were all suited up and blazered up and, and we were all very, you know, all very well dressed. There was none of this casual, smart, everybody was wearing shirts and ties and all this sort of stuff. So, so it must have looked quite strange when I went to the airport, through the airport. But it was it was just a really sort of like surreal moment you'd never expected in your life. Because as I said, never, you know, until that season, never really watched United abroad or anything like that. So we were on this coach and literally had to steward these young players and, and older players around the place and, 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 and collect them all up at the airport, making sure... And, Believe me, trying to find you know these eighteen-year-olds or whatever at the airport, you, you, you know they could be drifting away all over the place. So uh, you know, getting all that cattle onto the plane and then off the plane and all the way down this coach. And we didn't really know what the arrangements were apart from there was a stop off to the stadium at Amsterdam. Mm. And so we pull in in this this big convoy, and it's obviously right back here for I don't know whatever time five fifteen whatever. And this was like lunchtime. Yeah. Well, let's just say, uh, I, I'm not going to name names, but we did come back in a very good state. <laughs> and then, between one of the younger players and, God rest his soul, I will name Ralph, but God rest his soul, there was a little bit of an altercation that was, uh, was on my coach, and I'm sat there with, I, I had an assistant, Derek, who, who used to come in, he was a, he was a friend of Les Olives, actually, but Les Olives a very close friend, and he came in to help me in my early days. Mm. He was there before me in, in the accounts area. He came in a part-time couple of days a week. Well, Derek was then in his 60s. Mm. And I'd had a wander around before all this altercation around Amsterdam. It appears that Derek had had quite a sheltered life. And I'd been to Amsterdam <laughs> before. So I took him on a bit of a tour over the bridge. He was out of the bridge. And he, he had his work popping out. <laughs> oh, my word. He was like, I've never seen anything like this before. I didn't know this existed in the world. He <laughs> <laughs> was just his face, and when he when he recounted the stories when we got back to work a couple of days later, he was he was quite. He was like, oh, I didn't know these things. He's very well to do, though. Great guy. Great yeah. Guy. He had that experience of 
the day, which was funny. Well, as I say, we got back on the coach. There was this altercation, and, and uh, you know that, that had to be separated. We sat there going, "What? What were we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go at each other, influenced by God knows what? And what we're supposed to do about it?" So we pulled in at Amsterdam, and I, I had to report it to somebody else. He just said, "Oh, I don't know what to do." And it was going, I was going around the house, and going, well, "What should we do about this?" And, no, and, and you know what? It's sort of like it was sorted out. If I remember rightly. We had to swap a couple of the lads off the coach onto another coach because yeah. it, was, it was still simmering. Yeah. This yeah. Altercation. So they had to be transferred onto a different coach. And everything else passed all right. You know, you got in the stadium, there was a general nervousness about the game. We're playing Barcelona. I don't recall whether we, well, I assume Barcelona were favourites at the time to win it. And, you know, just this massive, you felt like there was 45, 50,000 there. You felt like 99% of the United supporters. It was very, you couldn't sense where the Barcelona fans were, and obviously the game was exciting in the way that they were winning, and then McCoolman gets the free kick, and then it was all up on deck, wasn't it, for the last few minutes, and they had a goal disallowed, they had one of the line, there was all sorts going on, so it, it was an exciting end. And then it, it was just sort of like, it sort of like fell off to being a, yes, we won the cup, and, and I, I think the next conversation we had was between myself and, and one of the ladies, Joy, I think it was, who was, who was uh, Ken Merritt and previously that was our secretary who I think we'd done a bit of a sweepstake and I had Mark Hughes or Steve Bruce and she had the other and we couldn't quite work out who won because that first goal was whose goal was it you know in the end of you know, Brucey's ever and then Spark kicked it in from it or, or was it and we ended up spreading the money yeah. and then um, literally about I can't remember how long after thinking everything was over there was the news of the world exposed this altercation on this coach <laughs> And I think the revelation was that Manchester United were at, were at fault because they had some junior clerk running the coach. <laughs> and then I've got a feeling Ralph mentioned, did Ralph do a book? I think he did, didn't he? Yes, yes, Yeah. Because not long after that, I got to know, I can't remember when Ralph left the club, Yeah. but I got to know him quite well because he went in Presswich where I That's went. That's right, yeah. So I actually you've met him up for a couple of days, you know, and, um, couple of times, not many times, and his, and his partner, yeah. he used to drink in the pub that I did, and he, he, I can't remember how long he was around, but I do remember he had a book, and he, he actually mentioned it in his book, I'm sure he did, okay. about the, the altercation on the thing and, and what was going on. And here's Martin Edwards, who was the chairman of Manchester United at the time. There's so many aspects to, to Rotterdam, really, because, um, as you know, um, Alec, Alec joined us in, in 86, uh, November 86 and we'd had a pretty lean time really between 86 and winning the FA Cup in 90 and of course there was all that business surrounding that some of the supporters wanted him out they felt that he hadn't got the experience to uh, be successful in the English League and Scotland was different and all the rest of it and we were under great pressure the year before in 90 um, to win something otherwise there was pressure for the board to do something and sack Alec and all the rest of it. So, uh, really, winning the cup in '90 was really the start of, of, of the great run in the '90s. And of course, winning the FA Cup got his entry into into the uh, uh, the Cup Winners' Cup. So it was a you know '90 was a huge relief just getting a trophy and and leading on to to being back. The other thing, of course, about '91 was that we'd been out of Europe. English teams for five years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the high school in, in 85, 
and then of course the the, the the European ban. So it was the first year that English clubs were allowed back into into Europe. So that was big because everybody wondered whether, you know, being out for so long, uh, how how English clubs would fare back in Europe, you know, without without that experience over the last few years. And we'd had um, so ninety one was 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 uh, a very important year. Just just being back in Europe, and of course the first year back to go and go win the Cup Winners' Cup made it even more uh, uh, exciting, should we say, or more eventful. Um, I can remember the, the, the it, we had a fairly easy ride early on in the competition. We played Pesky Monkers, and then and then we went on to play Wrexham. So you wouldn't say those were the two hardest sort of early early rounds, and we won those fairly comfortably. Uh, and then, of course, we went to to, 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 to France, didn't we, in the, in the quarter-final. Montpellier. Again, Montpellier. Again, it wasn't that, that difficult. And we had a fairly easy ride in the semi-final against uh, Warsaw, like in Warsaw. So, you know, we, we got to the final, but, of course, then we came up against the mighty Barcelona. Uh, and if you think about it, you know, subsequently, the following year after we, we beat them, Barcelona went on to win the European Cup. They had a great manager in, in Johan Cruyff. And of course, they had two world-class players in Michael uh, Loudrup and Ronald Koeman. So they were not an easy touch. We knew that, you know, having had a reasonable ride to the final, the final was going to be a real test of our strength and ability. And Alex team building, because if you remember rightly, in '89 we went out and bought five players, um, and it, you know, the success didn't come immediately. We'd had a very poor season in '90, apart from winning the cup, we'd come 13th in the league, um, and, and, and so suddenly this was a big, big test for us. How how these players had, 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 had you know gone from 1990s and winning the FA could they compete against the, the absolute best in Europe? And of course that game uh, we did. We deserved to win it. We played exceptionally well. Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic in Rotterdam. I think we probably had two thirds of the supporters in the stadium uh, but it was just the whole atmosphere of being back uh, being in a final uh, being in Rotterdam playing the great Barcelona you couldn't really have set uh, a better scene really uh, and of course the way we played on the night uh, Mark Hughes' tremendous performance you had Alex Healy Alex, uh, I'm sorry Les Healy in goal who been injured in the League Cup final uh, wasn't sure whether he'd make it or not, made the final, played well, then got injured late on in the game, hung on, you know, we were 2-0 up, Koeman gets a free kick, 2-1, last few minutes we were hanging on, and it would have been a travesty had we lost it, but, you know, it could have gone the other way because of Lenny's injury at the time and, and the, uh, the way we played, so it was just the whole, the whole scene really, and of course the celebration afterwards. Um, uh, you know, there was a lot of pent-up feeling there. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I think the fans just let themselves let themselves go in Rotterdam and, and celebrated. And e- even amongst the, the team and the directors and all the rest of it, we had a great celebration in Rotterdam, a party there afterwards. And it was just, I don't know, it, 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 I know it wasn't a major competition like the Champions League, but just winning a game, being back in Europe and winning, it felt like that. It felt as good as... as as good as anything, really. Uh, and it, it, it uh, put English football and Manchester United back on the map again.
There was concern about the behaviour of the fans before the trip. Actually, what happened was everybody behaved really well, but the, the Dutch police were concerned, the English police were concerned. Was that an issue at the time, the security aspect of it all? There was a worry, mm. there was a concern, and of course uh, I remember um, the police and, and, and stewards of the United, the responsible for the, went over a couple of days before, mm. and, uh, you know, obviously on these on these occasions there's always a worry, particularly as we've been out of Europe because of cloud problems. That's the reason that, that Margaret Thatcher taking these clubs out of Europe. Mm. The last thing that, that anybody wanted was any, was any trouble in the final involving an English club because I think if it had happened again we'd have been out for years years to come so I think everybody was concerned about the importance of it uh, and, and just hoped that the night would go by without without any, any troubles and fortunately it did um, and obviously the, the, the Dutch supporters must have, must have taken defeat uh, reasonably well because the, 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 sorry, the Barcelona, Barcelona yeah. must have taken fairly well because there wasn't the trouble that was anticipated after the game I think the, the supporters all that seemed to get on very, very well they did can you remember any details about where you stayed how you got there what the party was like did you go in the dressing room after the game uh, oh yeah I certainly went in the dressing room before and uh, and after the game I remember that and I remember the I mean the stadium the stadium of course the, the, the big song of the night was, was the uh, Eric Idle, wasn't it? Always look on the bright side of life, yeah. Yeah, and every, I mean, the stand, the stand was rocking. I believe people in the stand could even feel the stand move. Yeah. The, 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 so much sort of jumping about and, bang and, and singing and all the rest of it. Uh, there was a, just such a great atmosphere in in the stadium, both before and obviously, uh, obviously after the game as well. So, yeah, I remember big anticipation. Obviously, you know, as a doubt, well, as the chairman, chief exec, uh, big concern about would it go our way or not, you know, something to be back in Europe, to be back in the final in the first year. Don't forget also, that was the year that we, we floated. Yes. And we put the float back a little bit, thinking, yeah. well, and that could have gone either way, you know. Uh, if, 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 if we lost, it could have been detrimental to the float, mm. but we felt that if we won it, it would help the float. Uh, and of course, so we had that as well. I had the extra pre extra pressure of that, mm. wondering whether um, you know we'd done the right thing in delaying the float, mm. uh, relying a little bit on on, on the victory as well. Mm. So uh, I remember I was working. I think I flew out late. I didn't fly out with the team mm. because we were still working on the float. Okay. So I remember, I remember flying out late yeah. for the game. But obviously went in the dressing room before, and obviously celebrated the afters and all the rest of it. But had to get back and came back with the team. But I remember I was at the time I had this other thing where the float the float was huge at the time. Yeah. Whether we could get it away, whether the supporters would buy the shares, whether the institutions would buy the shares, would we raise enough money? Well, we were underwritten, so we we're okay in that respect. But obviously we wanted it to be a success, and we the money from the float was to, to rebuild the strength for them. So it was just the whole, the whole thing, the extra pressure of of, of the the occasion and the whole thing. Unfortunately, um, all that went very well. Although, funnily enough, the take up of the shares from the supporters wasn't as good as we thought, considering that we just won a, ma a major European trophy. So yeah. 
Did you sing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life or were you the, the diplomatic gentleman in the suit? I think in the, in the direct response, you've always got the <laughs> decorum, if you want to call it that, where, you know what I mean, you, you, you've got UA for officials there, you've got the opposition there, you've got, you know what I mean, so, so you want to sing, you want to join in, um, you know, and you're absolutely delighted, but, but somebody tells you, you know, just, just keep, keep your dignity, keep your decorum, uh, you, you know, you are represent, you are a director of the club. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I absolutely lapped up the whole, the whole thing, the, the atmosphere, uh, the joy, and all this, and just the way the game went. Really, I mean, it, 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 I know we'd won the cup the year before, but but and the cup winners' cup's gone now. It was, it was the, probably the least of the European competitions, but it's still, uh, you know, we we beat a great side in, in the final. Can you remember any dealings with your Barcelona equivalents? Um, did you have a good relationship with them? Was there a pre-match meal, yes, anything I like that? Did, yes. I, I did, yes. I always had, a, always had a, a fairly good relationship with... Uh, uh, and, of course, subsequently, we, we, we bought Cruyff off them, didn't we? And yeah. All the rest of, we'd, always, we'd always had a fairly good, good relationship with Barcelona, yeah. Yeah. Mm, mm. yeah. And, and the party, was that back at a hotel in Rotterdam? That was back at the hotel. I can't even remember the name of the hotel. I just remember it back at the hotel mm -hmm. in Rotterdam. And of course, on these occasions, you know, things always start a lot later than you think because, you know, you're there and then you've got kick-off and you've got the, the batch and then you've got all the celebrations afterwards, getting back to the hotel, getting changed, going to the party and all the rest of it. So it was quite late starting and went on well into the night, you know what I mean, in the early hours of the morning, you're still there dancing. It was just such a such a... A fantastic feeling, really. And did you feel finally we're onto something here? You know, it's only. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think the beauty of it was that um, yeah, we, you could tell that the, the side was improving. Then winning winning that first trophy in '90 was so important, mm. and then going on and winning the FA Cup, sorry, winning the uh, Cup Winners' Cup, it gives you that confidence. And the following year, we should have won the league. We lost it to Leeds, but we won the League Cup. So we'd won, some, we'd won a trophy three years on the trot. Mm. The team was getting better. And as I say, in 92, we should really won the League. The reason we didn't was, was, was we ended up with too many games at the back end. Mm. We'd knocked Leeds out of the League Cup. We'd knocked them out of the, uh, the FA Cup. And we'd had long cup runs. And we'd had a lot of League games to catch up at the end. And we were tired. We, we ran out of steam mm. at the end. Mm. Lost it, but should have won it. But then the following year, we then win it. Once we've won it, then the double followed, and then, and then two years later, another double, and so it just went on from there. So it was, uh, it was a build-up, really. Mm. But mm. you could tell, uh, uh, you know, that once, once, once success starts, you start winning cups and all the rest of it. It one thing leads to another, and the confidence. And Rotterdam helped massively with that. That you could beat a team who were on the way to becoming the best in Europe gave real confidence. Yeah, yeah. correct. 